Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft, career and what matters to them. Kim David Smith has been described variously by the Wall Street Journal as slyly subversive and Broadway World as the David Bowie of Cabaret. The New York Times labelled Smith as the male Marlena Dietrich. All are appropriate labels and signal Smith as a cabaret performer of incredible ability, nuance and sensuality. Departing Australia, he headed for New York City and promptly established himself as a cabaret artist of note. In deft performances that celebrated the glitter, doom and decadence of 1920s Berlin in his debut show Morphium Cabaret. His cabaret performances explore a repertoire of popular tunes and European song in a stylistic approach that is inspired by Weimar-era artistry. The fusion provides unique and intoxicating renderings of Minogue, Madonna and Marlena. He is masterful at bringing fresh interpretation to the repertoire of Piaf, Hollander and Vile. Smith recently released his new album, Kim David Smith, Live at Joe's Pub. He joined stages for a long overdue catch-up. We discuss the album, all things cabaret, and a little bit more. In a small cafe, on a crowded night, in a spot of light stands the singer. Then the band begins, and the beat is strong. And the room belongs to the singer All the people turn to hear her sad refrain And catch the cry of pain that's, that's in her song And in her haunted face And in her searching eyes there's a sign that something's wrong Now the eager crowd hangs on every word But the sounds are slurred by the singer Till the people feel every aching part of the broken heart of the singer Still the song goes on about a love she knew That seemed so pure, so true, but turned out wrong And in the tears she shows Nobody really knows is she the singer or the song? The singer or the... That's it. Oh my God, it was a really, really busy day. So in terms of like real life stuff, I don't know how much you want to get into or how much we feel like is going to, um, 
I don't know, not be interesting, but like executive assistant in children's publishing, fucking exhausting day. Just like, oh my God, it's been such a week. My counterpart over in England is on vacation for three weeks. So I am two assistants this week for one person, but it's like, oh my God, it's fun. Well, you are, you are a Gemini. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's but you know I'm like I'm carrying around these two Gemini Kims and then we've got a Scorpio rising and it's just it's a real crowded house over here. Right. Well, so, considerable challenge I imagine living in New York City at the moment too. How have your no, days been? Actually, the truth of that, not to step on your line, is that we decamped to Boston recently. Oh right, just for a bit of okay. space and um, just like oh my pandemic life has been bonkers. So we decamped to Boston. We'll be back in New York sometime, but like for the time being, like I've been down to um, New York for some socially distanced shows and stuff, but it's made uh, the world a difference having some space. Uh, so decamping just because you're a bit fearful of, of how um, potentially dangerous the city was becoming. Yeah. And just like, our, we, oh my God, we love our apartment in Brooklyn, but like, um, just like small and with two people working from home, um, just like, uh, and no outdoor space, like whatsoever. Like here, we're on the 10th floor of a really gorgeous building overlooking all of Cambridge. Um, and it's all like leafy and spectacular and with the fairy lights on our deck, it just was like a fabulous place to sort of be and pretend that we were somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just that little bit of connection to a breeze and yeah. some sunshine. So uh, the, the, pra- the practicality as well. Yes. So, but like it has been the craziest, most boring, most scary, most annoying and also still kind of glittering year. Like what a year to barely live through, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just keeps, uh, well, hopefully not packing too many punches, you know, with the election around the corner. I mean, I hope it packs the right punches is all <laughs> I guess. In the, maybe. In, in the right spot. We are yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's the energy um, all over the place is just crazy. Like, it's, it's really, really, really nuts. Like, you've just got to be careful, like, which relatives you engage with because um, you just, you don't know what's going to fly out of someone's mouth. Everyone has this, like, passport to, like, their personal truth, like, waving in your face nowadays. And it's just, like, so exhausting and terrifying. It's too much. It's like, would you politely withhold your ghastly politics? Like, you know, wait till you slip on the white hood. Talk amongst your friends. Yeah, I imagine it's like walking across a, a, a minefields. Um, you never know what you're going to trigger. Mm-mm, you just don't. You don't know. Um, and it's terrifying when, like, people in the arts are, and I haven't really encountered much of it, but, like, you've got to just be, um, kind of got to be super careful with sharing your, I mean, I don't, sharing your opinions this is leading me into, like, an avenue that I've been thinking about a lot lately about how exhausted I am with social media. Yep. and the politicizing of like holding a vase of flowers or the like uh the 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 performative wellness of tying one's shoe and just like the over the overdone everything about all of that like that piling on top of the um inescapable 
um, mega present constant news cycles. Um, and then just the general fear of like, if I go to the post office to drop off one of my CDs, like, am I going to die? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, I just read an announcement too that the League of Broadway theatres have said that there'll be no uh, live theatre until uh, at least June 1st in 2021, yeah. which is, yeah. is, is terrible news. Uh, how's the cabaret world? Are they continuing? I mean, obviously smaller venues, but yeah, they will soldier on? Well, what was really cool at the start of... Um, the pandemic, if anything was cool at the start of the pandemic. Um, like Joe's Pub, just straight away, they were like, all right, everything's, because we were going to, um, we had we had some shows scheduled that got like for, um, for June um, that got completely, you know, cancelled, obviously. Um, but they straight away, they were like, but we have this show of yours from November 2018. We really want to stream it. We'll make an event of it. Um, and they did that for like everybody on their kind of like, in their like family on their roster. And so that felt really... Um, that felt really special. It felt like life was still happening, even though you were watching yourself from two years ago, participating in real life, you know, it still felt a little bit, um, a little bit magical. And like things like Here Art Center um, was streaming um, Joey Arias and Basil Twist's Arias with a Twist, which is one of the most brilliant pieces of theater puppetry cabaret that I've ever seen in my life sort of that in like 08 I think um and like to have that sort of stream out of the ether was was a magical little electronic gift so I feel like that's what a lot of like cabaret has like turned into I know some people were doing um some outdoor concerts but even that was like really risky especially in the summer um when things well i don't know this is the sad thing too like here back over here in the northeast like in boston in new york in connecticut like all the, the cases are rising the daily cases they're, they're creeping back up again so um i don't know i don't think any i don't think any of it's really safe we did do a really cool um streamed event for club coming um the club coming virtual variety show um which uh, they, Daniel Nardiccio, Alan Cumming, um, and Darren Dryden, who run, manage, own the club, um, they were really thoughtful how they put it together. Everyone wore masks until they were performing. Um, you, all, you all had your different, like, time slot um, and no, like, audience, obviously. And so it's just that sort of, like, the videographer zooming around you as you're, like, as you're singing and doing your thing. Um, it felt weird. We did, it did feel weird to not have an audience. Um, but then you slip into just a different mode of intimacy when you're singing at a camera. Making jokes at a camera, that's not very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> you want that live response. Um, you talk yeah. about, you know, if there's anything cool about the pandemic. Uh, talking to several artists, I think they've really appreciated uh, an opportunity to um, investigate new technologies um, as ways of communicating mm. with an audience and also having the time to get to that project that they always said, I must get around to writing that or developing that. And, and yes. people, well, they've been forced to do that because there's been nothing else. Absolutely. I mean, I know for like, for me, I'm, I've, I've always been like galloping furiously through life. And so like, you know, I'll arrive at like Tracy Stark, my, my chief um, musical conspirator over here. Um, she and I'll arrive at, um, at like Club Coming or the Neue Gallery uptown and just be sort of exhausted from our crazy days, have rehearsed the show last week, but not like this week and just sort of like 
um, you know, and then, and then the, the magic of the evening sort of things come out, things don't come out. It's sort of like, you know, the magic of that. But I'm taking advantage of this time to be like, I've always wanted to rewrite that joke. I've always wanted to check that run of notes and I'm doing it. It's kind of nice to have the time. Yes. So artists will come back bigger and better than ever. God, I hope so. And maybe a little bigger because like, you know, who's exercising as much as they ever did? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Now, Kim David Smith, Broadway World described you as the David Bowie of Cabaret. The Wall Street Journal called you slyly subversive and you were labelled by the New York Times as the male Marlena Dietrich. How do you describe yourself? Um, mostly that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. <laughs> 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 um, it's, I have, uh, okay, I've always struggled with my elevator pitch. Like I always have. I'm always like, come and see my show. And it's like, why? And I'm like, I just, it just cause. Like, I don't, I don't know, I'm always struggling. I love the Weimar period. Um, I love the glitter, the doom, the decadence of it. Um, I love the music of the time. I love uh, Marlena Dietrich's um, uh, perennial visual legacy. Um, and then I love like, Kylie Minogue and all this other like glittery, silly nonsense from the present day. Well, sort of, I mean, the last 30 years. Um, and so, I don't know, I just sort of start listing what I love and eventually it comes around to sort of slightly describing me and what I do. I tend to turn to other people to be like, I don't know, well, what do you think I do? So thanks, <laughs> New York Times. <laughs> we opened uh, this episode with uh, a track, The Singer, from your new album. Kim David Smith live at Joe's Pub. It's a song made famous by Liza Minnelli and uh, and Barbara Streisand, two brilliant storytellers, and it uh, it really epitomises the craft of cabaret, doesn't it? Oh, I think so. So I first encountered that song um, with, uh, Chelsea Plumley. Uh, actually, I saw a yeah. show of hers in Melbourne. Um, quite some time ago now um it was just and I, she opened her show with it it was totally mesmerizing she gave it like a, a nice like slow open and then it sort of like burst into this thing with a with a band that i sort of don't really often afford myself um and it just like sounded cool and i loved it um and so i had that like just like bookmarked in my brain i was like that's a cool song i want to do something with it and then about 15 years later we were working on um i think uh i think it was around one of my pop album releases and I just wanted to throw in some like weird stuff. And so I was like, Oh, Tracy, let's do this Liza Minnelli song. Let's take out practically everything that's in it and just do it like weird and creepy. Oh, she's, and she was like, Oh, so just the way that, the way that we do everything. Okay, cool. Sure. So that's, <laughs> that's how we came up with that. Um, which is something we have to be careful about because I'm always like, let's not finish the song. Let's finish in the middle of a sentence. Let's let it twinkle out into nothingness. For some reason to me, that's just, pure magic on stage. I, I just adore that. I love that audience guessing, are we clapping now? What's going on? Am I still paying attention? Like, I just, I don't know. I just love that. Um, but a lot of my arrangements then peter out into this unguessable nothingness. So I have to be, I have to be cautious with that one, but it works for the singer and it's, it's fun at the end of a show, which is when that um, song usually appears to me. There's a lyric in the song, uh, and from the tears she shows, nobody really knows, is she the singer or the song? Does that sort of uh, capitulate what cabaret is about, that, that it's part autobiographical, it's uh, telling stories? Do, I, I imagine I've seen you, and you bring a lot of yourself to, to performance. 
I absolutely think that because like, okay, so to me, what I absolutely adore about cabaret is it's so intimate. It's so stripped back that you have the option of believing in a very frank exchange from this singer or performer or, and I mean, you could do this simultaneously. You can just completely project yourself onto this person. You know, there's not, there's, it's just, it's such an intimate, you can really go into yourself watching um, a cabaret performance, I feel like, as an audience person. So that kind of a line where it's, it's, it's exposing the, the, the prisms of reality about cabaret, um, I, that's, that's chiefly why I love the song. Like, it, it is that, that line. Is she the singer or the song? And what of it am I enjoying? What, like, yeah, measure of these ingredients am I witnessing and participating in? Well, we sure saw evidence of that uh, last year at the Sydney Cabaret Convention with your Kylie Minogue show. Oh, what a bunch of fun that show is. Well, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're a resident of New York City, um, hmm. how long have you been there? 13 years. 13, wow. What took yeah. you to, took to, the, to the city? Well, um, the rich tapestry that is life... Um, wove me in that direction um so like doing so doing what i do like i graduated in um i think it was 05 from federation university which used to be called bapa which used to be called forty-eight thousand other things i don't know who's taking them over or purchasing them at this point but um i graduated with a ba in music theater and like you know music theater in australia is so robust um, but at least for me, really hard to break into. Cause like, as a, like a really skinny little baritone with cheekbones, I was like, I'm Cinderella's prince. Okay. Just hire me or whatever. Um, and I'm not tall and it's like, you know, so it's just like, I don't know, my, my ingredients were not necessarily what, um, a, a large production would put on stage. So I was just like, I'm, and Kim Durbin, who was the head of acting at the time and now runs, um, the, um, music theater department at, um, uh, Federation University. I just, I distinct, I still have a voice in my ear. Um, she's like, you've got to get out there and create your own work. Always buy tickets to your friends' shows and create your own work. Do not wait a minute for people to put you in something. And I was like, got it, got it, Kim German. Um, straight away went to the Butterfly Club, started building my shows. I remember having coffee with Mark Jones once. And I was like, Mark, I've done three shows at the Butterfly Club what and you've seen maybe one and a half what he and, and he's like you're good you need good shows <laughs> and I was like cool and I'm like I'm too like young and interested in what I'm doing at the time to be offended or like and because he didn't mean it like that he was you know being incredibly generously constructive and I appreciate it to this day um and so then I just like knuckled down and started doing more research and started to like just get the idea that I needed to and I love Melbourne, but I needed to go somewhere scary that I don't know or know anything really about except Liza Minnelli singing its name. You know what I mean? So I was like, yep. that's it. Off to New York we go. And it was a very expensive uh, venture. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have cabaret in your sights? Because New York is sort of the mecca of cabaret, isn't it? Oh, truly. It's like... I don't know. It, it feels like everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go to London. I'll go do music theatre in London. Not everybody. I'm sort of like, like my little like nest of, of, of brains that I was hanging out with um, uh, when I graduated and, and, and went to school with and stuff. And, and I just thought, I feel like it's, 
I don't know. Well, I mean, I didn't know either way because I'd never been to England and I'd never been to America. And I was just like, let's, we'll just go pick one and do it. Everyone else is going to England. I'm going to head over to America. It's harder to do. Let's see if I can, like, as in to get there because you can't get your, like, you know, your grandfather passporty, whatever the deal used to be for England. Um, and uh, yeah, 201 visas and a green card later. And I have only just gotten a savings account because all that shit is expensive. <laughs> Wow. You obviously yeah, enjoy living in the States, huh? I really do. And it is crazy. And practically every second day, my fiance and I look at each other and we're like, we're moving to Australia. And we're just like, okay, cool. That's like what we're doing. And then the day passes and we're like, all right, you know, because like America's not as bad as it appears. Um, it just has a lot of bad things and people in it. But so does a lot of other places, I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, your new album has a terrific range of repertoire, uh, everyone from Kurt Vile to Kylie Minogue. How do you select the repertoire that goes into your act or indeed this album? This, hmm, this, so this, this record, it's my first live album and I've wanted to do it forever and I'm really glad I didn't do it until now. A, because I haven't done anything else this bloody year. Like, what a crazy year to have a project launch. Like... You know, I don't have to be anywhere to be singing these songs. People can just stream from wherever. It's it's pretty much just like a catalogue of my emotional condition over the last, I don't know, 20 years. Like Dracula's Tango is a song. Um, it's uh, Toto Kaleo did it. It's, it's like disco. It's, it's a weird novelty disco song that I charted in England and Australia, but not in the US in the eighties. And my mom loved it. She was an aerobics instructor when I was a kid. And so it was on one of her, um, like, I think it was her abs tape um, for her abs class, but she used to play those uh, tapes in the car. Um, and so I knew all the, and so I just, I don't know. I was like, what a cool old weird song. It's like four years ago. I was like, Oh, remember that? Let's do that. So like some of them are cherry picked from like childhood. Like I should be so lucky and stuff like that. And then others just really, um, they're songs that have spoken to me at different times in my life, like going through a divorce and crazy stuff like that. And um, like, like, I don't know. And then like, just like dumb fun stuff, like Johnny from Dugger has, which is just like flirty and stupid and finishes with Madonna. And, but it's like one of my favorite things to do on stage. I just, you I just <laughs> you're in control. You had the power. Well, I, I mean, I like to think so. I mean, no one's physically pulled me from the stage before. So, I mean, you never know what the future holds. But, um, yeah, I just, I just love it. I just love, um, I love these songs. They're like friends. And that's something I've really come to learn over the course of 2020 with not a lot going on. I really miss these friends. Well, we'll listen to a, a few selections through this conversation. Next up, uh, we're going to have a listen to Barbara's song from the Thripney Opera. Do you want to set that up for us? Oh, with this one, I just, um, this always comes like second in a show for me. And it is second on the album. It's a very sort of like um, flippant kind of throwaway song that then starts to really um, drive and become focused. Um, and I just, I, I love the way it, um, Sort of like locomotes through itself. It takes me for that ride. Like you used to be my wonderful someone would come for me someday, and then it'll all depend on me. If he's a kind man, if he's a rich man, wears nice things and drives a fancy car, and if he's gallant and treats me like a lady. 
tell him maybe Chin up high, keep your powder dry Don't relax or go too far Look, the stars are gonna shine till dawn Keep your little rowboat cruising on and on You stay So the, the the placement of the songs is is very important, I guess. You you are um, not choreographing, but you are shaping the the show for that audience experience. Yes, yes, yes. And some of them, like like songs that I've been singing um, a little bit longer, like um, "You Keep Me Hanging On," we do a uh, sort of Surabaya Johnny esque arrangement of that song, and. That, not to suggest that I'm like lazy on stage, but that song is to me, it's very active and blah, blah, blah. But in my brain, it's a little bit of a resting song, you know, because I've been doing it for like over a decade. So I'm sort of like, yeah. okay, this song, it's just going to like, you know, like play itself. I'll make eye contact with you. I'll make some more eye contact with you. And, um, and then just like, and then like back into something a little more like new or difficult. How regularly, so do, do, you, too. How regularly do you insert new material? Um, pretty much whenever Kylie Minogue releases a new song, <laughs> um, Dietrich stopped releasing music, um, a little, a little while back, um, kind of whenever we need, um, a little enfreshening, um, and also when we do a new show, like, so the end of last year, we debuted a, a very Weimar Christmas, um, at Club Coming for which I wear a completely black Santa outfit. And I just think it's hysterical. We open with Pirate Jenny, but with sleigh bells. It's, I just think it's so funny. Um, so then we throw in a bunch of like, I think less than usual Christmas songs. Cause I find a Christmas music can be so saccharine. Like holiday music is a lot um, to choke down. Um, this year, perhaps we all really need some. Angela. We need a little Christmas. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so like, I just like, I like to, uh, so some of the songs just stay. Some of them, Tracy and I are just like, this one works. This one's a laugh riot. And then Tracy has her own little favorites that she's like, no, 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 we got to do this one. Um, but then if we just want to like, like freshen things up or something's happened in the world and we had something that comments on it a little more than not, you know? Yep. Yep. Trace, Trace and I have been performing for so long. We sort of, we, ha we, we have like about, I don't know, five shows worth of music to sort of be like this, 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 this. And Tracy didn't know Kylie Minogue before I started like shoving it in her face. Um, and now she's all like, oh no, we've got to do Lifetime to Repair. We've got to do like all these like random like album tracks that like, she loves it. Yeah, and, and look, and not a lot of Americans have heard Kylie, I imagine. So every time they go to your show, they think, wow, where did this come from? Oh, totally. I mean, here, when I do the Kylie show, I'm always like, uh, and if you don't know who Kylie Minogue is, then I welcome you to an evening of Kim David Smith originals. And then we launch into it. <laughs> <on an athlete>. uh, <laughs> so. uh, what are the venues that you've got access to in New York City? You, you've talked a bit about, well, you mentioned club coming a couple of times um yes 
Um, that is about it. The Neue Gallery, um, which is, uh, that's where the, um, the famous uh, Adele Blochbauer painting hangs, the, uh, the Klimt. It's the woman in gold. There was like a yep. film about it with, um, I think Helen Mirren's in it or something. Um, sold for like $142 million or some crazy sitting around money like that. Um, but that's like, so it's this exquisite um, museum of German and Austrian art. So it's a, it's a really, it's a perfect place for my stuff in that it's like austere and German and oak panelled and fabulous. And then, you know, club coming is like as gritty as it intends to be and is otherwise completely perfect for my stuff. Um, but uh, the Neue Gallery as a museum, like shuttered with like the Met Museum, the Whitney, everything else. The Met Museum started opening up recently. It's not something I feel, I've, I don't feel super confident going a lot of places, honestly. Like my fiance and I, we're, pretty, we we're lucky enough to have a gym in our basement that oh, wow. nobody else uses. Yeah. And God help them if they do, because we stay there for ages. We're really like aggressive. Um, it's, that's been, oh, that's been a real lifesaver, I tell you. But like, aside from that and our like weekly grocery run and maybe seeing his mom like what, twice over the course of the pandemic, um, we just don't see people. Um, oh no, I mean, except for when they've gone and, and hung out at Club Coming um, and done our isolated shows, which were a total safe riot. That was like so much fun, but like so, so, so safe. Um, luckily not boring safe, but it was, it was, it was pretty safe. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's like nothing open. And like you said, like now, as of today, the recording date of this, like Broadway's shuttered until June 2021. The Met announced, I think it was last month, the Met Opera, um, they were cancelling the entire rest of this season. So which means pretty much the same time, like I think like September 2021, they're, they're, they're shut. Um, people yeah. are not really taking chances in the performing arts no. and I'm sad and grateful. I just watched a virtual concert of Carnegie, Carnegie Hall's uh, 130th birthday, um, oh. which was all, you know, just going to people's homes and, yeah. and playing great performances from the past. Uh, but, uh, yeah, every, everything's come to a grinding halt. Tell me about Joe's Pub. This is the venue where you recorded the album. Yeah, Joe's is, it is so exquisite. Um, it's like, it's like super cool. It's super downtown, you know, it's, it's adjacent to the public theater. Um, so blessedly, I don't think it's ever going to close or run out of money. Um, they just got tons of it, but please keep giving. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. it's like, it's, it's just this, uh, the iconic, um, uh, like soundproof paneling on the back of the stage. It's like, you see a video online, you instantly recognize that's from Joe's pub. And that immediately means that person is like, cool. I don't really mean this about myself, but cool enough to be booked there. Well known enough to be booked there. Um, and is like, like their criteria is like they, they, and this is not, um, like, you know, taken from the website is my perspective over the years. Like their criteria is they just want like fun, unusual, unconcerned people there. Like they have like, like, like legends have performed, like Adele's performed there. She's done shows there. Like, you know, when she, and not before she was Adele, when she was Adele, um, and remains so, I guess, Probably I haven't heard from her in a minute. Um, um, and then like Kiki and Herb, like, oh my God, whose show um, Seeking Asylum just uh, streamed, I think it was like two weeks ago. 
And that in the same way as like sort of watching my own show from like two years ago stream on um, the Joe's Pub uh, YouTube channel, like watching that was so transformative. Was, I remember being there, I was there for, I think it was the, uh, the tech run, which like every fabulous weirdo was invited to and it was completely packed. It was at midnight at Joe's and like just like the energy in that place, the, the lighting is exquisite, the sound is incredible and the performances are often just like fabulously unhinged and they just it just you walk into joe's and you know you're going to have a fabulous maybe scary wonderful time great i've That's been there I'm... i can vouch for that it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> kim let's come back to australia for a bit um, where yeah. did you grow up okay i grew up in little old Tralgan, um which is in victoria um, uh, uh, you know, a little industry town. I mean, I think it's technically called the city of Toronto. Uh, yeah, I think it's city technically, but it's like, you know, it's, I don't know, like 80,000 people. Is that near, near Mafra and Maui around that area? Yeah. Maui is like our, Maui is the poor cousin. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Morwell's not doing too great. Let me tell you, my mum works yeah. in Morwell. Um, but uh, yeah, Moe's definitely a poor cousin. So it's like around that area, like Tyres, where Sheridan Harbridge is from. Um, you know. Um, Hello, uh, Sheridan. She'll be listening. Hi, Sheridan. Well, she better listen. She's not going <laughs> to listen. <laughs> I'll tell her I name dropped her and she won't do it. Oh, um, no, she will. She will. She's my second cousin, you know. Yeah, I know. This, this is yeah. what I know. This is. Uh, I think that, yeah, but still, it totally counts. Um, I think that's how you and I. Um, were introduced is via the uh, the Sheridan conduit. Yes, um, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, so yeah, little old Tralgan. Despite being little old Tralgan, I had so many amazing opportunities. Though, like growing up, like I was, you know, you know, like growing up gay in the country, it's terrifying. But I had a fabulous welcoming, loving family who never, ever challenged my interests, never was like, you better play this boring sport, Kim. Like, I mean, extended relatives who didn't know me very well were all like, what sport do you play? And I'd be like, mum, um, <laughs> can we go home? Like, it just like all that, that kind of like toxic uh, masculinity, sort of performative masculinity stuff was happily really absent from my upbringing. And like going to school, like Tralgan Secondary College, like we became like really high school well known for like our Rocker Steadfords, which again was Sheridan and our amazing friend Alistair Smith, who's a director in um, Melbourne now. Um, we just like had the best time putting these shows together, um, performing in like like Rod Laver Arena. Um, like it was like a crazy teenagehood, and then we all like decamped to Ballarat to do music theatre together. So I'm, I'm and, and like the local theatre scene, like um, Helen Ringen, who was um, who directed me in Macbeth, the rock opera, like really, really kind people who um, who really pushed me to be my best. When who did you play? What's that? So, sorry, darling. who did you play in Macbeth, the rock opera? Oh, I was Macbeth. I was very oh. thin, um, elfin Macbeth, um, <laughs> who had his hands on his hips a lot. Um, and that was at the start of my singing journey. And I'm not sure that I was um, 
very far beyond the very beginnings of a singing journey at that point. But it's all about the process and I had a good time. And I, I won at, what was I, like 14? I think I won a, um, a GAT Award, a Gippsland Amateur Theatre Award for that performance. So there you go. Oh, congratulations. Did you oh, enjoy school? You. I, <laughs> I, um, I enjoyed my friends at school. Primary school, I absolutely hated. Like, that was when I really, like, there was nothing really on offer, like, performing arts-wise, because it's a, it's a primary school. I mean, what are they going to offer? Um, we did do a school play at the end of grade six, and I forgot my words in my solo. So I just danced. I was in a hula skirt, so I just danced. Sure. Um, I don't know. I don't remember at all how the crowd reacted and I don't think I felt super great about it but I pulled something off and that sort of like resonated with me of like you know I did something it's fine that performance is over and I would like to do many more um but yeah I don't know being picked on a lot in primary school um really shaped me um and very much shaped uh, a keen awareness of how wonderful my parents are because I was always coming home to this really, really, really safe space where I could talk about Sid Charisse and singing in the rain and how cool she is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I could really be, I mean, when I was a kid, mom, I, this is not a, a, a Kim remembered memory, but like mom, she says, she's like, you know, when you were like three, like I would sit outside of your bedroom door and you'd be like, hang on a minute, mom, hang on. And then I would like come out and I'd be like, I'm Dorothy. And I'd be Dorothy all day. And I'd be like, do you like my, do you like my, I'd call them skokes because it's just made up word for high heels. But like, you know, do you like my red skokes? And I'd be standing on my tiptoes and I would stand on my tiptoes all day. Consequently, I have amazing calves. <laughs> what are the artistic influences then that are, that are happening in your childhood that you can do that at, at three? Are you reading books? Are you going to the film, movies, um, TV shows, I listening to cast out. albums? Yeah. Oh, well, my, okay, so I have a fabulous, like, actually completely fabulous gay uncle. He was the head of the State Library in South Australia. Like, and he is, like, truly deeply fabulous. Um, he and dear, that's Uncle Alan, and he and dear Uncle Merv, who is no longer with us, they gave me, I think it was my fifth birthday, they gave me a Judy Garland live album. Because <laughs> <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they knew. It's like he might as well get a head start. He's in bloody Tarelgan, for God's sake. You know, like they, that was a real helping hand and I appreciate it. Um, the rest of it all came from hanging out with my nan. Because like we used to hang out. There were two books on offer when I'd go and hang out at nan's place and I'd sit next to her on her couch. She'd either have a dinosaur book, um, which I, I still adore dinosaurs. I think they're awesome. Um, and then she'd have her movie musicals book. And so I'd be like, oh, let's go to the Judy Garland page. Oh, let's go to the Sid Charisse page. Let's look at Marilyn Monroe. You know, and it'd just be like a different, like, five of them before I asked Nan to draw me pictures of Glinda the Good Witch, which constantly asked her to draw me pictures of Glinda the Good Witch. I don't know why. Um, but, like, that was, that's, that's pretty much where, because I, I, the first show I ever went and saw, Mum took us to Melbourne to see, again, again, she's coming up, The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, um, it's a not, I don't really remember it. I just remember the feeling of being in the Melbourne Arts Centre. Is, is that the one with Cameron Dado as a scarecrow? I could the, not the, give the it state opera did. Yeah, I think that was one it of might, the first. It probably would have been if it was, yeah. yeah. And Nancy, Nancy Hayes played Glinda. Oh my goodness. And it was the first time that uh, Pamela Rabe played the witch because she, then Pamela Rabe returned as the witch many years later with Nikki Webster as Dorothy. Get out of, oh, look, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. What's Nikki Webster doing? Well, she's going to be a guest on an episode in coming weeks. So you'll have oh to Oh my listen. God, really? Yes, 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 indeed. The strawberry kisses there. 
<laughs> There's a number that you should do in your cabaret show. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for Nikki. Yeah, very good. I think it's time we heard another track. Uh, you spoke uh, a little bit earlier about Dracula's Tango. You're saying that mum used this in her workout, um, aerobics workout. Yeah, for her abs class. The moon was shining in the night. The hounds were baying such a simple song. And as you stole another bite, I knew my heart would be at stake. Just another victim Cause I never can resist him Oh, oh, no, don't go Your gentle touch is what I need so much Dracula, la, la, la I'm a sucker for your love When you do, do, do what you do to me And you now, now, now Now I've got you in my blood Supernatural love's getting through to me Dracula, la, la, la I'm a sucker for your love when you do, do, do what you do to me. And you now, 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 now I've got you in my blood. I don't know, dear Count, it's a mystery. Prince of Darkness, I'm yours. Even though you have a cross to bear, we'll take the mirrors off the walls and snuggle in our double tomb. Your castle is a nightmare You've got batty friends who live there Oh, oh, please, just squeeze I'll go insane Come tap my window pane Drag you in, la, la, la I'm a sucker for your love When you do, do, do what you do to me And you now, now, now Now I've got you in my blood I don't know, dear Count It's a mystery Oh, I feel so much fitter already just listening to that. <laughs> Mum always had access. Like, this is another... I mean, we, we've always been interested in fitness as, as our little family unit, but Mum always had, like, really easy access to her um, her gigantic leotard bag. And so it's pretty much like every third day, my siblings and I would, like, jump in there and be, like, hanging out in our leg warmers and leotards and just doing stupid stuff in the living room. So, yeah, Dracula's Tango, get your leotard on. So when did your fascination with cabaret begin? When, when was the first encounter? Um, I feel like I happened upon Bob Fosse's cabaret as a teenager. My dad had um, given me a Marlena Dietrich uh, biography. Um, just a very like, slender one. I don't know, he just picked up it at a secondhand bookstore. Like, you know, Kim would probably get a kick out of this. And I had no idea who she was. I think it was around like 14. And so I read that and then stumbling across the film version of Cabaret, I was just like, how can I be Sally Bowles immediately? And let's do this right now. Um, and I would like, I'd be up until like three in the morning rewinding mine hair. I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I was, I don't know. And then it's just like very, very, because it's, yeah, it's only like 15 or something. But I, I, I let that sort of like germinate and I'd even try and put like fussy stuff into my rocker Stepford choreography. I mean, I just really started to like get into my body with this stuff. And as I became more confident singing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to like investigate some of the actual music from this period. And then, you know, research, 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 music theatre school, research, research, research. And it just, I don't know, I just fell in love with it all. Well, you didn't get to play Sally Bowles, but you certainly played the MC in a production of Cabaret, didn't you? Yes, which I think does suit much better. Um, that I the MC. Yeah. <laughs> Not so I, I think right. I, and I, I have really almost never had more fun um, 
performing on a stage. Like doing that show, like really, it's it's a dream come true, and I cannot wait to do it again. Um, and it was doing the show where I was sort because of, I was I'd always joke with like in press being sort of like you know oh you know the MC, and I was like yeah, but I really, I auditioned for Sally, you know, and I'd always like you know make these kinds of jokes. But like during the show, I was like oh I really actually want to be the MC. Like this is this is really. The, you, you know, you get your 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 uh you get your your eleven o'clock number moment and your glamour, and then you get your stupid jumping around. I'm dating this gorilla, you know, and it's just it's it's fun. You're sly, you're disconnected, you connect when you feel like it, and it's it's all of the um a menage a trois. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it has all the all the joie de vivre that I that I sort of like go for in my own shows, um, and then all the ennui that I go for in my shows too. Um, I just, it's, it's a cool show. It's one of my two, well, if you don't think about Sondheim, which who doesn't think about Sondheim, my two favourite non-Sondheim shows, because I just love Stephen Sondheim a lot. Um, my two favourite non-Sondheim shows are Cabaret and, uh, oh my God, what is, Rose's turn. What is it? Gypsy. Oh my Gypsy. God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fired. I've had a whole rosé and I'm fired. Um, <laughs> Gypsy and Cabaret. They're miserable they're um, aggressive, they're expressive, they're glittering, they're fun. Like there's something about them not having a happy ending that I just like is real life to me. Yeah. And it's fun to leave the theatre having had a really good and strange time. Did you attend much cabaret in Australia before, before um, New York? As much as I could. Like I'd go and see like Mark and Melissa do shows, um, Chelsea Plumley, um, And then whenever the Spiegel tent was in town, um, that was like transformative to me. Seeing Camille O'Sullivan in the Spiegel tent. I think I, I, took, um, I took my friend and music director, Vicky Jacobs, to go and see Camille. And I was like, I want to be this lady. <laughs> Like she, that woman, and I've seen her in New York when she's toured here. She's Irish. She's fantastic for those um, who don't know. We were both nominated for Helpman Awards in the same year, which was, that was, that's what made, I mean, it was a huge gargantuan honour for me to be nominated for that thing. Um, I could not have conceived that was ever going to happen. It just seems too cool. Um, and but like to be nominated with the Camille O'Sullivan, who I felt so inspired by in my like cabaret birthing, was just like it was, it was bonkers, totally bananas. What are the essential qualities of a cabaret performer? Do you think? Um, I think that not being too young is important. <laughs> I think that's really... I love, I love it when a 22-year-old gets up there and sings, I'm still here. I know. It's like, we know you're here. Where have you been? <laughs> where, where have you been, though, honey? Um, no, exactly. It's like, yeah, having had enough time to cook, um, enough sort of, like, self-awareness um, to have, I think, just don't be in your 20s, maybe. Oh, uh, uh, I will say, conversely, everyone should get up there and do it. Like, there's... The, the great thing about cabarets is no rules. Um, but what I think shapes people really well is have your heart broken a couple of times. Um, don't be afraid of people. Be interested in people. Being interested in the people who are in the room with you is really key, I think. And then just, like, getting in there and... Because, like, when I started, I was like, oh, yeah, there's all these cool songs. I don't know. I'll sing The Man That Got Away. I'll sing Love Fool by The Cardigans. It's, like, stuff that I know. 
but then like once you've once you've like sort of cooked in yourself a bit and you've 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 found songs that I remember reading and I'll paraphrase horribly Liza Minnelli saying at one time um, she she finds songs that that say what she can't they the text of the songs that she sings like just describes herself in ways that she cannot and her experience in ways that she cannot and that's that's what I think like a good a good cabaret artist does like they take songs and it's it's a it's a it's a stamp of ownership where you're not like oh I wrote this song unless you did but it's like you know this song tells my my heart and making that something that the audience just doesn't question yeah beautiful yeah what about Kylie Minogue when did your obsession with uh, the great well I won't say singing budgie. A lot of people say singing budgie, but um, uh, I know hasn't that just followed her around? Um, <laughs> but she's also an icon. She and very much in that same, you know, you're going to love this uh, same idiom as Judy Garland. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a petite songstress who has had uh, drama and tragedy in her life. Yes. When did you? Unfortunately, has taken a lot fewer drugs. Like, yes. thank goodness. Because yes. Kylie at 47 was not Judy at 47. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Kylie Laminogue, um, she came into my life when I was six. Uh, we were at the McDonald's in Terralgan. She wasn't, um, but it was my birthday. We were in the McDonald's party room in Terralgan and mum's best friend, Julie, Julie Johnson. Hi, Julie, if you're listening. Um, she like, you know, brought out this like big flat square package and I was like, cool beans, what's this? Um, turns out it's Kylie Minogue's first album with her hair spilling out over like a cutout hat or whatever. And that led to me zipping around the living room to that whole entire album, but especially Lucky and Locomotion. Like, and just like that, I just like, it poured into my heart and my body. Like literally, I mean, one of my favorite things to do as a child is wear what I called my tropical outfit, which was this mismatched pair of shorts that had palm trees on it and then a t-shirt that was like fluorescent colored. And then I would wear that and then put my hands on my hips and do high kicks until I was bored, which took a while. Um, but I would do that mostly to locomotion. So from, from there, I just kind of like, I don't know, I just kept going with it. She'd like bring stuff out. Not that I was really aware of that as a kid because you don't sort of like run to the record store as a child. But, you know, you'd see her on Rage because every child gets up early on Saturday morning. Um, you'd see Kylie doing her thing on Rage, like, you know, like gorgeous, like space lady getting out of her pink um, astronaut suit. Um, and then, I don't know, by the time Impossible Princess came out, I was like really into these self-penned lyrics. And I was like, Kylie knows what's going on for a teenage boy. She like, she totally gets my my gay yearnings in my life. So that just like, that kind of, that album really solidified things. I was like, this is my lady. She knows what's going on. Well, I was delighted to see that on the album, uh, you've got all the lovers, which it's a fantastic video, uh, music video when she released that song, isn't it? Oh God, it's just, it's fabulous. It's like, I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's it's like all this like unconditional coming together of people in this like orgy mountain. And I just, to me, that's just beautiful. <laughs> um, and then the song itself, um, it's, it's, it's a really mature, generous, frank song. And I love singing it. It's the only thing that we really, that Tracy and I really perform that doesn't, that hasn't been put through the old Weimar grind machine. You know, we really do it in this kind of like soft rock kind of gentle way. Um, and it just feels like, cause like my shows used to, 
um, when I was going through a lot and going through a divorce and like pre-divorce and not really understanding that I was like depressed and had stuff going on. Cause you know, you just like, you persevere, you just keep calm and carry on. Um, and all of my shows in that period would end on really grim notes and like clanging grim sadness. And I'd be like, what a cool show I just did. And now that I'm like, I know myself a bit more and I'm a bit more generous with myself and, um, and that I think it's cool to be happy. That's a big one that now I think it's cool to be happy. Just ending the show on that note of like, welcome, like come to my orgy mountain. Like that's my, that's what I like to end a show on. It just feels, it feels nice. And people, people really, it resonates with people. They don't know what the hell the song is over here, but they like it. In this next song, I'm going to implore you to dance. I'm going to beseech you to dance, but don't dance. Just sit and indulge me with more of your patient listening. That's what I mean when I say dance. It's all I want to do, so won't you dance? I'm standing here with you, I won't you move? I'll get inside your groove Cause I'm on fire, 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 fire It hurts When you get too close Oh baby, it hurts When love is really good You just want more Even if it throws you to the fire, 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 fire All the lovers That have gone before They don't come Going higher, 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 higher Breathe I know you find it hard But baby, breathe You'll be next to me It's all you need And I'll take you there I'll take you higher, 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 higher All the lovers That have gone before They don't compare Kim, what's the most awkward experience you've had on the cabaret stage? Ah, uh, what is an oh, So I was I was doing this. So, okay, so there's this great Misha Spoliansky um, instrumental piece called Morphium, and I use it to open a lot of my shows. Um, you get the tail end of it on the album. We didn't do the whole because, like, it's 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 for setting the scene in. Um, my live shows. It gets the audience into like a listening mode. It's like, oh, this is a bit grand. It's a little spooky. It's okay, cool. Here we are. These, this is the palette we're using. Got it. Um, 
and I use a condensed version for my shows. And I was doing a, a house concert um, probably like six or seven years ago with uh, none of my regular pianists were available. It was just like gorgeous, like Upper East Side mansion. Um, I was singing near like Picasso's and like, it was like, it was insane. It was like some fundraising event. Um, and so, and I was like, and we had practiced and all, but again, it was a, it was a new, very skilled pianist. And I was like, so these are the cuts and we're practic we're doing practically nothing of this overture, right? So I'll come in as soon as you start playing and there'll be like, I don't know, 20 seconds of it. It'll be great. And then I guess, I don't know if he panicked or whatever, but he played the entire four minutes and I had entered already and there are no vocals. So I went over to the window. I had a moody lookout at the Upper East Side. <laughs> I gazed at a Picasso for a while. <laughs> I, had to, I had to film that space. That was agony. That was actually, but like, I also had to try not to laugh because like things going wrong on stage is my absolute favorite thing. Like, oh my God, something goes wrong. A chorus member falls over. Like, so I, and this wasn't something going wrong because it was planned obviously, but like in, in the 2011, um, Broadway revival of Follies, which is maybe my favorite sometime. Oh my God. Like Elaine Page stole the entire show by like in the mirror, mirror number. She would always go off the wrong direction doing like, and it was just like, it was hysterical. Like things going wrong on stage. Nothing, nothing's funnier than that. <laughs> I'm sure the crowd loved it. Oh, they did. Well, my thing, I don't know. That was bewildered. It's like, he's really into that painting. <laughs> <laughs> He wants it. He wants it. He wants to go outside. Like, yeah, it was weird. Let's talk about the Weimar Republic because you've certainly embraced the language of, of Weimar. You, you sing in German. It's a very evocative and expressive language, isn't it? I think so. As a kid, um, growing up in Australia, we didn't have, um, well, it's certainly not like a universally Australian thing, I guess, because uh, probably a lot of people had access to language. But in primary school, we weren't taught like another language. Like it just wasn't an option. And I always just thought French sounded like you were casting a spell. Like I just thought it was the most magical thing of the whole world. Um, and so, you know, I have a couple of songs in French. Um, and apparently my, apparently my, my German is, I'm told, like pretty, pretty solid, but my French sounds very Australian. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, I just think, I just think German more. Um, but like, yeah, I've always just felt like, uh, for, as an Australian, you know, we're, we're so far away from everything that the, like, the more foreign something is, the more magical and alien and, 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 and sort of exotic and exquisite it is. So for me, like, I was just like, oh, this is a done deal. I just got to learn some songs in some other languages and cast these spells. Yeah. Well, the songwriters from that period, you know, we all know Kurt Weill and I guess Friedrich Hollander is mm. uh, the, the other big name from, from that period uh, who wrote a lot for Marlena Dietrich and you've got one of his songs on your album. Yeah, he's probably my favourite composer of the period. Um, he did um, A Little Yearning, which is on the album, um, uh, which my mother-in-law loves. Um, uh, he did uh, blah, 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 Johnny Vendugebortstag has, which is like an absolute riot. He did um, I Don't Know Who I Belong To. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, of course, everyone's nodding back at home. Yeah, all these songs that I know. Did, um, did he write um, um, Want to Buy an Illusion? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. So that that's from um, my favourite movie of Marlena Dietrich's is A Foreign Affair, which is really hard to get a hold of. My understanding is that Maria Riva, her daughter, um, doesn't sort of like permit it to be 
streamed and, and whatnot. Because Marlena plays a Nazi sympathizer in it, which she completely opposite, like was super not that in, you know, she sang on the front lines for the, for the American boys. Like she was like, she was one of the first people into Berlin when it fell. Cause she wanted to see her mom. She was like running through the streets crying, Mutti, Mutti. Like that's, you know, for my mom, mom, where are you? It's like, she's like, she was for real, not into Nazis. Um, but she does play a Nazi, like a glamorous Nazi sympathizer in this movie. Um, and I understand, I, I believe that's why Maria Riva doesn't sort of like get on board with it being released. Um, but it's so cool. Like Friedrich Hollander himself plays piano for Marlena in the movie in the like nightclub scenes. And I just like, if you go and if you, you can, you can find like black market online. Um, like I would recommend viewers to go and it's just so cool. She steals a cigarette for someone while she's singing, she takes a drag from, and then she like uh, gracefully leans back and puts it into Friedrich's mouth while he's playing the piano. It's just, the whole thing is so ridiculous and glamorous and just like dripping with sequins. But then also it's like a cellar. It's like this like garbage venue. It's just, it's exactly how my brain I think looks. If someone were to cut open my head, I think that scene would be just sort of like going around. <laughs> well, next up, we're going to have a listen to Johnny. Uh, you sing it in German. Do you want to just explain what, what the song is about before we listen? Yeah, it's about being transfixed by um, a violinist, essentially. <laughs> it's like, so this guy, Johnny, you know, it's, and they, they, the, the refrain is, Johnny, when, when is your birthday? I'll be your birthday present. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come over in the afternoon. I'll, it's, it's, yeah, it's basically offering yourself up on a platter for someone you've got a crush on, um, which is why I, I, one of the reasons why I tag the Madonna on the end of it, because it is just this sort of like, Flippin', it's, it's like, it's, it reminds me of 1992 era Madonna, which is, and the song that I tack on is Erotica, which is my favorite Madonna song. It's ridiculous and fun and stupid and all those cool things. Um, but then also it's like, to me, it's like um, Madonna owes so much to Dietrich's sort of like visual legacy. You know, there was a lot of like mining of that for her own, um, which I think is like the coolest thing ever. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a song about wanting, not having, getting a little angry about it um, and melting into your own erotic stupor. Johnny, when du Geburtstag hast, bin ich bei dir zu Gast für eine Nacht. Johnny, so viel von dir Ach komm doch mal zu mir Nachmittags um halb vier Johnny, wenn du Geburtstag hast Und mich dein Armen fasst Für eine Nacht Johnny, dann denk ich nur zuletzt Wenn du doch jeden Tag Geburtstag hast The Little Pony Bar The Fiddler Johnny is the star He has wild blood in his pale skin <laughs> Yes, he does And when he plays his violin And when he aims his, uh, his bow He has a new bride every night 
It's his cat-like gaze that flusters the girls so completely. Their busy little hands crawl through his beautiful hair. The women form a choir around him, gaze ecstatically upon him, and whisper Geburtstag hängst und mich dein Arm umfasst für eine Nacht. Johnny, dann denk ich noch zuletzt, wenn du doch jeden Tag Geburtstag Ah, there we go. Johnny, fantastic. So uh, evocative, as I said earlier. I, I love listening to, uh, to music from the Weimar era. And I'm glad that you sort of fuse them with, with uh, contemporary pop artists too to give that, that, that new slant. Well, it's like, uh, for me, that's almost like giving it my, um, my context as a person living now who likes music from 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but like, because otherwise it's sort of like, okay, look, I, so we, my fiance and I have a lot of discussions about authenticity. You know, what on earth, it doesn't, once, when you really start to investigate it and start to think about it, it doesn't really mean a lot. Um, and I think, would I... Do I believe these songs coming from a German more? Do I, do they need reshaping for someone who's not German? I don't know. I was like, I was less confident at the start of my career as, you know, everybody is. Um, I, was, I was listening to your um, Geraldine Turner um, podcast just yesterday. Um, and it was just fascinating, this like insanely robust woman talking about how, you know, her insecurities and stuff, which obviously we all have, but you don't think that Geraldine Turner has them. Um, but, you know, like for me, like at the start of this career, I was all like, oh, I've got to give some really good reasons for singing this music and like really contextualize it. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Or people won't come. And I think ultimately, like now, just the joy of the music, the joy of the stories and the, the way that they make me feel is more important than trying to be believably something. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. What's authenticity? 
<laughs> what is authenticity? I think you've defined it quite well there. Um, so, so listeners, uh, uh, look, it's been terrific chatting to you for this last hour, Kim. Uh, but listeners can certainly embrace your your wonderful cabaret style with your new album, Kim David Smith, Live at Joe's Pub. It was released on digital and streaming platforms uh, as well as a physical CD on July 17. So it's out there in the ether for us all to uh, to grab. Yes, and grab, I hope you do. I do hope that. Um, it was very expensive to put together, so please do get a copy. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how can listeners obtain a copy? Um, so via my website, you can get a signed um, physical release. I sent, I sent uh, like copies to like my chief, you know, like my, of course, my gay uncle who gave me my Judy Garland CD, he got a copy. He wrote me a lovely letter back being like, oh, Kim, we can't wait to listen to this. We don't have a CD player anymore. You know, nobody has a CD player anymore, which which is why I'm really pushing the digital side of things. If you're desperate for a signed CD, you can get one by my website. Um, otherwise, it's all like, you know, Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon. Um, and there's like 8,000 other places that I don't even know the name of, but it is, it is practically everywhere. So, yeah, go nuts. What's your email address? Um, if you want to shoot me an email, you can do, uh, what's that one? What's the website one? Kim at KimDavidSmith.com. That'll get Lovely. right to my little ancient MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, to take us out, we're, we're going to listen to another Friedrich Hollander uh, track. Uh, this is uh, a, a little yearning, which uh, is sung in English and German. Do you want to tell yeah. us about that before we say goodbye? Um, basically, it's a it's a song about nice things we can't have. Um, I think uh, one of the things that has propelled me through, because I love a bit of ennui, and one of the things that's propelled me through life is that, like, that, that, like, almost feeling of, like, almost love, almost, um, well, yeah, just love, I guess, because everything else sort of happens, but um, not, I'm not a millionaire, that doesn't matter yet, um, but it's just, it's, it's, it's about, it's that, it's that gorgeous, like, ghostly, not quite, having been in the center of that, of that, of that dream, that goal, that love. And I just, that, that feeling to me, that misty sadness um, has just always pulled me in so thoroughly. So we built um, this arrangement around that feeling. What a beautiful way to go out. And um, hello to Kim's mother-in-law. I'm sure she's going to enjoy this one. <laughs> hey, Susan Derbris. <laughs> and Kim, thanks so much for, uh, for the chat today. Oh, thank you so much. You're such a sweetheart for having me on and it's such an honour and a delight. My day is grey Your day is grey Can't get the sun to shine I think together we might break through the clouds If you put your hand in mine We walk a road It's long and it's hard We're frightened, but if we try We'll keep our minds filled up with beautiful dreams And build castles in the sky Just a little yearning Reminds one of happiness Just a little yearning Fill the emptiness Yearn for grey skies 
for our beautiful sun makes no difference, doesn't everyone need a little yearning, a dream on which they can build, just a yearning that won't be Isn't Kim a lot of fun? A riot, in fact. I've seen a few of his shows in Sydney and New York. He is a master of the cabaret form, and the repertoire he manipulates, caresses and keenly performs is extraordinary. He finds terrific nuance and ways of breathing new life into the songs. See for yourself. I encourage you to find a copy of his new album, Kim David Smith, Live at Joe's Pub. I promise you won't be disappointed. Thanks to Kim for sharing some of the tracks in this episode. Hopefully they have provided you with a taste and you can pursue the album further. We must also mention that the album features music direction, piano and backing vocals by Tracy Stark, in addition to Skip Ward on bass. As always, I'm Peter Eyes, and you've been listening to Stages. Thanks for joining us today. It's always a joy to have your company. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time. Keine Sehnsucht, die sich niemand 